solid. All right, boys, let's do it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome NFL strategy show matchups edition. Believe it or not, I'm not kidding. The biggest one of the year. <laughs> we'll be saying the same thing next week, but as of now, the biggest one of the year, 14 game slate, and we're happy to have you with us. As always, I'm Dave Lockhart at Lafay underscore D on Twitter. For those of you podcast listeners, that's L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D, along with Matt Savoka at Draftaholic. Now, Matt, we talked about it before the show. We're going to keep this under two hours because people have lives and people have jobs. And so do we, as a matter of fact, outside of this. So we'll, well, the bad games, the ones that don't have a ton to talk about, we'll spend a lot less time on. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm thrilled to be here. It seems like we've got a week that's sort of like a dichotomy of the whole year. Huge spreads, some heavy, heavy favorites. And then we've got some totals that are hovering around that 50 mark, but we're still struggling to see totals that are smashing 50. We got a couple 51s this week. But yeah, as you said, uh, we're going to try to keep it short. But, you know, our track record is not good because <laughs> Christmas Eve, we said the same thing. And, you know, we're rambling. We're doing movie quotes. We're getting chat involved. And so, you know, we'll, we'll do our best nonetheless. That's a great point. And that was a two game slate. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we can there. fill as long as we need, but we can we can definitely power through these. Some of these games or teams are less important than others. No doubt about it. So buckle up, friends. We I have more respect, Matt. I'm throwing it out there now. And this is true. This isn't this is not bullshit. This is me being serious. I have more respect for our weekly loyal match Thursday matchup show listeners than I do for any other show on the site every single every single week, every single week of the year. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You guys are the absolute best. Already people talking about the drinking games they're putting in for salary-based expectations today. And honestly, to be completely honest, not to get too mushy here, but we're kind of starting to create the show that I always wanted to be able to do for people. And so to be able to give back this way has been really awesome. And having people respond is really the coolest part of this. Otherwise, uh, we're just two guys talking football on a Zoom call. You guys really make this possible. No joke, uh, no doubt. And you know, let me tell you something. This is this is how intimate we've gotten to know our viewers, and they've gotten to know us over the over the last two years. Larry C. First comment is, "Uh oh, Laffy's not at full strength." I mean, the fact that they know that <laughs> is is impressive. Maybe maybe our mics were hot. I don't know. Were the mics hot, Jordan? No. Yeah. Oh, I I feel I feel like like death is upon me right now at my doorstep. So what better time to have a 14 game slate, right? I mean, it's just, it's perfect. But I, I, you know what I've noticed too, like whenever I don't feel my vocabulary, I can't find words, Matt, can't find any words. I can't find anything. I have this alpha brain. I need to take that today. I told you, by the way, that the, uh, someone from alpha brain said that. Yeah. That, yeah. Paul, Paul, who he said that his, his CEO of alpha brain uh, or sorry of, um, uh, what's it? What's see? I told you I can't remember uh, who makes it. Jordan, who makes it? This is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Paul. I'm sorry, guys. I told you I can't remember anything today. It's so bad. Uh, uh, oh, on it. Thank you, on it. Thank you, guys, for all the help. Uh, listens to the show and sent me a bunch of free stuff, and it's been phenomenal sampling all of this. Maybe, maybe it'll get me through the day, Matt. 
I, I have faith, and uh, we'll pick you up where we need to. You know I always got the takes. Yes, you do. Let's make it happen. Kansas City and Cincinnati, I'm doing this your way, as we have been mid since midway through the season. Highest total games from the 1 o'clock slate, and then highest total games from the 4 o'clock. I also will point out, when, when this goes, after this is live, we need to get someone to timestamp it for the start of the 4. You got that, Jordan? The start of the 4 p.m. games. You don't even need to timestamp every game individually because we have the sidebar, but there are going to be a lot of people, myself included, that are going to be more interested in playing the nine game early and then the five game late or afternoon slate when there's this many games instead of playing most of my action on the 14 game or Matt. So I think that'll great help. point. Yeah, absolutely. Kansas City, Cincinnati, 51 point total. The Chiefs at or on the road are laying almost a touchdown. What is it? Five? Well, five points. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the only one not practicing right now. You got Tyree Kill back last game. That was a disappointment. Travis Kelsey uh, will be back for this one. At this rate, though, 51-point total. The Chiefs have been one of those teams that have been super frustrating at times this season just because you know that they have that insane blow-up potential. But at other times, you could get a Tyree Kill game where he goes two for 19 or whatever it was, and Byron Pringle catches two touchdowns. Miko Hardman catches one. So I think we'll get back to where we need to be in this one. And of course, Joe Burrow in that offense, they have caught, they have found their stride coming off an insanely big game against Baltimore. Do you think the total here is accurate? Do you think we get that shootout that we're looking for? Oh man, I kind of think so. I, I really hope so. So I'm trying to take my bias out of it, but I think these offenses have hit their stride and their playoff push is really starting. So at, at this point, you got to say, this, this game looks like it could smash it's pretty high, but not incredibly high over under at this point. I'm kind of going back to the well with Kelsey and with Hill. I'm just kind of chalking up last week with Byron Pringle hitting versus Tyree Kill to the natural volatility of the wide receiver position. If you look at expected fantasy points, Hill has been kind of all over the place this season, but ultimately it comes down to Patrick Mahomes finding his stride and having Travis Kelsey back on the field. His projection, once again, sky high. Now, I'm impressed with Byron Pringle. We have seen players in this offense, or, or I should say we haven't seen players in this offense other than Hill and Kelsey really step up uh, consistently at all. But six receptions on seven targets, two touchdowns, 75 yards, that's a massive performance. And so that obviously garners our attention. His projection of wide receiver 48 is well ahead of his wide receiver 57 expectations. But at the same time, like he doesn't look significantly better than Nicole Hardman or Demarcus Robinson. They're all going to have plays designed for them, but really it comes down to Cincinnati's defense for me. Cincinnati is bottom 10 in the NFL and schedule adjusted fantasy points and lead leans towards a pass funnel, meaning, meaning it's easier to pass on them. Not good when you're playing Mahomes, Hill and Kelsey. What are you doing though with, with Kelsey and, and Hill on a slate where, cause this is the most interesting part to me where you have Cooper Cup and 9,500, okay. Uh, yes, Terry Kill's a lot less expensive, but he's also, he's still expensive. He's still the, you know, third highest price wide receiver on this slate. And then Travis Kelsey, you have Mark Andrews against the Rams, and it looks like Tyler Huntley's going to be back. Hasn't even mattered who's been throwing the ball to Mark Andrews. George Kittle against Houston, we could be looking at um, Trey Lance, but then that 5K range of tight ends is also pretty loaded. So, from a priority standpoint, how do these guys fit into the mix for you on such a big slate? 
I, I don't know. You can't put Tyree Kill ahead of Cooper Cup in any world. You just can't yeah. do it. But at the same time, if you're game stacking a game, this one looks like one of the most appealing of the entire gigantic slate. So why not get Mahomes and Hill or Mahomes and Kelsey, run it back with really one of four or five options on the Cincinnati side and just create a game stack on our top stacks value rankings. Mahomes and the Chiefs are still top five, but I'm actually surprised to see them at just number four. I will mention in our boom bust tool, Hill and Kelsey are positively leveraged based on our current ownership. So they look like really solid tournament plays, even if they might not be the very best value at their positions. Do you have any interest in Daryl Williams today, given or this week, given that it's it seems unlikely that Clyde Edwards Hilaire gets past that shoulder injury by Sunday? You have to say so. In a high total game, the Bengals being a defense that is has struggled against opposing offense overall, if he's going to get all the workload, and when we've seen Daryl Williams be the uh, the lone back in the Chiefs' backfield, he actually seems to get more receiving work than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yeah, you got to say so. He is kind of priced up on DraftKings. 5,800 is running back 22. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is only 5,900. So it's not like you have a sudden free square option, but I'm certainly interested when I'm game stacking. What are you doing on the other side with, you know, coming off just an ex insanely explosive game across the board too. I mean, it's not often that you've got the quarterback, you know, and Joe Burrow going for 525, 41 fantasy. Let, let me put it to you this way. Okay. So last week was what week 16. Joe Burrow was the QB one. Um, I'm pretty sure that Mixon had to have been a top, yeah, Mixon was the, the, the running back, too. And then where, where was uh, and T. Higgins, Higgins is probably wide receiver one. Was the wide receiver one. That's crazy. I mean, you really don't see that happen often. And Jamar Chase was the wide receiver 14. So <laughs> those, that's across the board. You could have picked anybody from that team uh, and had a decent enough week. It's a little bit different because Baltimore, and we'll talk about them when we get to that Rams game, Baltimore, uh, that secondary is off. They might be the worst in the league right now, given all the injuries. I mean, it's bad, but uh, yeah, you still have a lot of mouths to feed, but a lot of good weapons on this Cincinnati offense. Are you going back to them this week? Yeah, I do. I'm disappointed that they're priced up. Like we got Jamar Chase at 7,600. That's wide receiver five. That's pretty, that's pretty tough expectations. You need a 22, 23, 24 point game. T Higgins, you got to get, you know, a 20 point game at 6,900, but that seems more attainable. Right now we have Higgins ahead of salary based expectations and Jamar Chase pretty far behind. But as we said in our Kansas City breakdown, we're just, talking about volatility at the most volatile part of the NFL passing offense and wide receivers. So I don't mind going back to Jamar Chase, who, as you said, had a monster, monster game. I will say Joe Burrow, he right now in, you know, expected fantasy points. He's 13th on this slate. He's 12th in our projections. So to see him at seventh, in our uh, at salary ranking, he's really priced up for the matchup. So I don't necessarily condone trying to save salary by going down to Burrow instead of going uh, up to Mahomes if you're game stacking this game. Let's talk. Oh, what about Joe Mixon? Oh, absolutely. Go for it. I, I mean, look, it, our projections don't love it. 
I, I think that's kind of wrong. I think he could have a monster performance here. Kansas City has been better of late. Like, they're not the worst team in the league in yards per carry allowed, but they're still bottom eight in the NFL this season in yards per rush attempts allowed. So I think Mixon is a good enough player and should get enough of the workload that it doesn't matter. Even if Samaje Piran mixes in for Mixon, you could still see 18 to 22 overall opportunities, which is more than enough in this high total game. Let's talk about the Rams and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I've said it a bunch earlier this week in the first look show, said it yesterday on the, on the ownership show with, with Matt Kajewski and Eric Lindquist. I have no problem whatsoever getting to a stack here from the Rams. I know that people will look to Sonny Michelle, totally understand that. That's fine. But Baltimore is still a run, a pass final defense. And you still have cup. You still have Beckham and Jefferson. Sure. Coming off a weak performance, Stafford was, was in, what do you throw three picks last game? So it wasn't pretty, but if you've just looked at what, what opposing teams have done to this Ravens defense lately, they really haven't been able to stop anybody. You know, they, they coughed up 30 to green, 31, to green Bay 41, to Cincy in a game where Joe Burrow went nuclear along with the rest of this team. I will go back to one of the more potent passing offenses with the one of the highest uh, neutral or game script adjusted pass play percentages in the league and take my chances here, Matt. 100%. Anthony Averett was the last standing quality cornerback in the Baltimore secondary, and he has fractured ribs. It looked bad when he went down. Honestly, just the fact that he had fractured ribs only looked like a positive because I was worried about even, even worse stuff when he went down. So... Uh, he's certainly not going to play it this week, which means that Baltimore secondary is, as you said, arguably the most susceptible in the NFL. I would still say it's the New York Jets. If you look at schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed, again, that just contextualizes fantasy points allowed for the offenses that that defense has played. The Ravens are third worst in the NFL in schedule adjusted fantasy points and the biggest pass funnel defense there is, meaning it is easiest to pass on them compared to running on them. That is bad, bad news when you're playing Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and by the way, Odell Beckham, who is wide receiver 14 in fantasy points per game since joining the Rams. He's essentially a borderline wide receiver one with Cooper Cup on his team. So when you say, uh, I want to stack the Rams, I don't even need to necessarily go to Cooper Cup if I'm talking large field tournament. I'm fine with Stafford and Beckham in that situation. Obviously, I want to get to another high salary wide receiver, but this stack overall has so much potential. Uh, I like this whole passing passing attack, even Tyler Higby and Van Jefferson in tournaments. Me too. I have no problem getting to any of these guys. And the run game's fine. You know, Cam Akers could be back this week, but you, the, the assumption has to be that Sonny Michelle carries the bulk of, of the load here. You know, he's averaging well over 20 carries per game over the last four weeks. I, he's fine. I, I have no problem with Sonny Michelle. It's just if everyone, if, if Sonny Michelle is going to be very popular and the passing game isn't, and right now it appears to be obviously Cooper Cup is going to be getting some ownership, but the rest of the passing game and Matthew Stafford don't seem to be that popular. That's one way that I'll look to differentiate here. Uh, Sonny Michelle's fine, Matt, but I, I do really like the passing game, especially if he's going to be the fifth highest owned player on the slate. Totally agree. My hot take is that once Cam Akers plays, he's going to look like the most explosive player in that backfield, and it will be unquestionably his by playoff time. 
Really? Coming off a ruptured Achilles five and a half months ago, huh? I think he is going to look like the freshest of legs out there. Okay. Look, I'm fine. Hey, I, like Cam I like Cam Akers a lot. He's, but I don't think this week Cam Akers is going to get an insane amount of work. If, if he does, if they split it, once again, you're going to really wish you had that passing game. What do you think about Baltimore? So here's the hard part. They, the reports out of Baltimore are that Lamar Jackson is trying to practice but has a noticeable limp. Yeah, A noticeable limp for Lamar Jackson. Taking the rushing upside away from Lamar Jackson is, is not a death knell, especially when you're playing the Rams. And as we said, the Baltimore defense is probably going to give up points, meaning the shootout potential remains high. But when you're talking about Lamar Jackson as a pocket passer, now you're talking about a player who's like QB 15, 16, 18 in the league. And there's a whole part of the offense that they'd have to take away. I almost wonder if Lamar Jackson limping out there. I don't know that I wouldn't speculate saying Huntley is a better option. I really wouldn't. We're I talking about an MVP is. of the NFL. I don't know. We're talking about an M MVP. I think that's disrespecting Lamar Jackson. As a <laughs> they all are when they play in the current season. I, I get your point. Honestly, I like these players because of the shootout potential and the fact that Mark Andrews seems to be completely quarterback proof. You know, it doesn't really matter. He's getting 10 targets a game. And Marquise Brown, in terms of expected fantasy points, he's ninth among wide receivers on this slate. He's 22nd in salary ranking. So just from an opportunity versus salary-based expectations, it's a go for Brown as well. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Huntley starts. If I had to guess, I think I do too. And he hasn't played poorly at all. You know, they lost by a point to Green Bay because Harbaugh decided to go for it, you know, uh, go for the two point conversion. They would have tied that game up and sent it to overtime. You've got the most accurate kicker there is. I don't know. I, I think he screwed them, to be honest with you. We won't get into it because we got so many games to touch on, but um, they did that what? In. In two of three weeks? In two games. In two games. Yeah. I'm on team go for it. I, I know it's controversial. I, I think especially with a backup quarterback where you're trying to steal a game, the goal is not to the goal is not to tie. The goal is to win. And I know uh when it's a very results oriented league. So when it doesn't work, I think the complaints are always warranted. But I think I'm gonna go roll with the numbers. You know I'm an analytics guy. I hear you, and, and I'm all about going for it in most cases, too, but it, I, I, I hate the idea of putting your – this team was, was in a position to make the playoffs easily, and now where are they? I don't know. Two straight weeks. It is what it is. It's not important at this point. All I know is that Mark Andrews is absurdly good, and at this stage of the game – I mean, he's the, he's the tight end one in PPR formats, by a mile. It's like 30 fantasy points. Granted, Kelsey missed the game, but still, Mark Andrews has been as good as it gets at his position. I love him this week. Again, if you can get there and if Hundley's going to get to him, listen, Hundley, Hundley and him connected for, it was like 21 receptions on 24 targets or something crazy in those two games. He either started or came in uh, in relief in a relief effort for Lamar Jackson. So uh, if it's Hundley, you know he's just going to pepper Mark Andrews again in a game where they're probably going to need to throw because their defense can't stop the aerial assault. 100%. Honestly, I'm surprised to see our 
projections so bearish on Mark Andrews right now. I guess the salary is high. It's 7,400. And if you're talking about that salary range, you can also get to, you know, solid running backs and wide receivers there. But you're talking about a player who's first at his position in deep targets, first in red zone targets, first in targets per snap, first in receiving yards, first in total touchdowns, and first in fantasy points per game. I, I get it. I get it. Travis Kelsey and, and Kittle are on the slate, but but man, like give this guy a break. He's been incredible. So I, I get where you're coming from. Right now in our boom bust tool, I'm surprised to see him in the optimal lineup just 3% of the time. But his ownership is also still projected to be pretty low. I mean, Mark Andrews, the way he's been playing, is projected for 3% ownership. It's crazy, isn't it? I know he's expensive, but it's crazy. And, and I'll tell you what. I think. I'll tell you what. I, I don't have a problem going back to a Huntley Andrews skinny stack. That would have won you tournaments if you did that against Green Bay. So he's pretty cheap. He's 5,600. If Trey Lance starts and everyone goes to him, Huntley Andrews could be a good pivot off of what's probably going to be a relatively popular Trey Lance and Debo Samuels or Trey Lance and George Kittle, something like that. So worth keeping in mind. Do you have anything else you like for Baltimore? Uh, did we see like James Proche suddenly get a bunch of usage? I think that's all noise. I think Bateman is still uh, the obvious wide receiver th- or the third option, I should say. But he's at 7.5 expected DraftKings fantasy points per game over the last six weeks. So he's really just a large field tournament option at 4,800 on DraftKings. Tampa, New York Jets. Big spread in this game, rightfully so. The New York Jets are an awful football team. They're 13-point dogs. 45 and a half point total in this one, Matt, right now it looks like Mike Evans probably doesn't play. That's something very much worth keeping an eye on though, because he was dealing with the hammy. Then he was put on the COVID-19 list. Who knows if, if one of those or both of them keeps him out this week, if that's the case, you get Antonio Brown coming back as a stellar play who still hasn't been priced up enough on DraftKings. Yeah. And let's take a macro perspective approach here for just a second. I, From a game outcome standpoint, I could care less if Mike Evans plays. I almost think that if he's even close to to being injured still, he should just sit. This game, I've seen the spread as low as 12 and a half, and I think that's disrespectful to Tampa Bay, even without Evans and Godwin. I think this New York Jets secondary, as bad as Baltimore has been, they are still the worst defense in the NFL, and I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat them by 20 points easily. So I was looking at Odd Chopper today, seeing that there is some really high expected ROI bets for the money line, even though it seems pretty obvious, and for the point spread here on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it's a good uh, it's a good lesson in searching for solid lines as well, because I've seen 13, 13 and a half, 14 all over the place as well. Back to DFS. Antonio Brown becomes real quick, a really obvious... Real quick, just oh, from a, a key numbers standpoint, Getting 12 and a half is huge. It's absolutely huge as a favorite. So if you win by 13, which is, you know, very often a score that you win by, that's 100% a type of number you're looking to get to. So I'm glad you brought that up. It's not like 11 and a half to 12. 12 and a half to 13 is, is significant and is something you should be searching for every single time you're looking to bet these games. Go ahead. Yeah, and sure, even if Evans comes back, it certainly takes the probability of the other players hitting down a little bit. But I think Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski, who disappointed last week, are smash plays this week. I'm fine with the running game, but the fact that 
Keshawn Vaughn and Ronald Jones are splitting in the most pass-happy offense in the NFL means that their large field tournament plays only. I'm going to take the lock button options in the passing game. Antonio Brown, a massive, massive week last week. And by the way, like basically every time he steps on the field, he's a wide receiver one this year. I don't know what people want more from him when he's when he's playing. He's basically a wide receiver one. And Gronkowski, same thing. He's tight end four in this mega slate of tight ends at 13.7 expected DraftKings fantasy points over the last six weeks. Our projections are ahead of salary-based expectations. I'm fine stacking this team, even if the Jets don't play at all well, and it's just onslaught sacks, go for it with this Tampa Bay offense. I'm with you. I mean, look, the only question here now is what are you doing with Ronald Jones? Man, I think this guy stinks. <laughs> he, he he can break off enough. He's broken off, what, a 97, 98-yard run last year. And so he's a product of the offense he's on. He's, he's going to be in the red zone often because of the way that Tom Brady plays. And they're playing the worst defense in the league. The New York Jets have quietly been a run funnel, if you want to look at it in traditional measures. But they're so bad against all positions, it kind of throws things out of whack. If you look at number of running back one or running back two weeks this year, the Jets have given up way more than anybody else. So I'm fine playing Ronald Jones at 6,300 on DraftKings, but I almost wonder if Kishon Vaughn at 5,200 in large field tournaments is actually my preferred option here. I think Jones getting 11% projected ownership is the thing that makes me kind of stay away. He doesn't have an 11% chance of hitting his ceiling here. Anything for the Jets you want to hit on? I'll throw this out there. Elijah Moore has a 50-50 chance of playing this week, according to Robert Sala. So we'll see what happens there. He's dealing with the injury, but he's also dealing with COVID. So I, I don't know. Jamison Crowder being another one. It, if you're going with a, a big Tampa stack, are you looking to run it back with anything from New York? Michael Carter might get enough touches where it doesn't really matter how bad the game script is. And he's 5,100 on DraftKings. He's one of those first value options at running back that helps unlock the high salary, the premier players on this slate. So if I'm going to get 20 to 25 opportunities for a player at 5,100, that has my interest. The fact that he's getting 13% projected, like a Jets player getting 13% projected ownership with only an 8% chance of being in the optimal lineup right now. I mean, that's not a great bet. I'm probably staying completely away in tournaments, but in cash games, it makes some sense. All right. Let's talk about Philly and Washington. Here's an exciting game. The Philadelphia Eagles on the road, they can clinch a playoff spot. Amazing. Starting off two and five, they have a shot to clinch the playoffs. Uh, they need a couple things to go their way. But the biggest thing here is Sanders is out. Jordan Howard could play, according to Nick Sirianni. I mean, really the only thing I'm ever really interested in is the backfield if you have multiple guys that are sidelined. And that could be interesting if Howard's in. But also, I think Dallas Goddard deserves some attention. Last game, underwhelming. Uh, but two games prior to that, of course, one was with Garner Minshew, but the second one against the same Washington team uh, was with Jalen Hurts. And despite a huge drop and another big drop, Goddard still had a monster performance. So this is where I would I have no problem looking at that low 5K price point. If you want to make an argument for Boston Scott, if Jordan Howard's out and joins Miles Sanders on the sidelines, who's already out, I get that too because this team's running for 200-plus yards every damn week. But um, 
yeah, none of these guys are priorities for me, but I think those are the two guys that I would look to as decent secondary options. Yep, I agree here for the most part. You know, the difficult thing to predict in this game is that Washington's defense has been bad or pretty pretty bad at least all season. They're below average in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed, but they've leaned towards being a pass funnel, meaning they are easier to pass on and then rush against. Philadelphia wants to rush the ball, whether it's with that backfield or with Jalen Hurts. So I kind of wonder what ultimately wins out here. Does Philadelphia try to force their style of play and try to just break through the defensive line of Washington, which despite its injury still has some talent on that defensive line? Or do they kind of lean on the weaknesses of the defense they're playing and get players like Devonta Smith, who had a big game last week, and Dallas Goddard more involved? I kind of lead towards the latter. And then I look at Dallas Goddard as a potential value play. The one thing I'm disappointed about, though, is that a lot of people seem to be leaning this way as well. Dallas Goddard seeing 10% ownership on a week where we have Kittle and Kelsey and Andrews just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. From a raw points perspective, I still think the ceiling of those players is so, so much higher so suddenly I'm kind of perplexed by this team. I, I kind of feel like I definitely could play Jalen Hurts at QB 10 in salary. His projections are well ahead of that salary-based expectation. But then I think I might just take some shots skinny stacking with Smith or Goddard. And uh, then, yeah, like you said, if we get some value plays like Boston Scott because Howard is out, I'll reconsider. But honestly, this running back by committee, I'll take some shots in large field tournament, but none of them are super appealing. Oh, you're muted. You're I, muted, I, bud. I know, I know. I know. Thank oh. you. Thank you, Jordan. Just flailing over there. Uh, even with Smitty. Was that the Team America? You saw that? The, yeah, the just, signal from Team America? I Was that it? it uh, even with Smitty, I'm a little bit – I just don't know if you need to – the problem is there's so many wide receivers in that price range, and I feel like he's just a little bit too expensive for me. As, as good as he is and as many great re- toe-tap receptions he makes – the volume just hasn't been there. And, and that's, that's what troubles me with Goddard. I think you can get those like is, is Devante Smith $1,200 more than Goddard. Does that make sense? Cause it doesn't really make sense to me. No, I kind of agree. I just, I see this as like a, a play where if one player is getting, is becoming super popular and it's really because of matchup, and there's two players on the team that have a kind of an equal probability of hitting their ceiling in Smith and Goddard. Why not go to the lower owned player? Sure, the projections look better for Goddard, but especially when you're trying to win a tournament, Smith, uh, he doesn't he doesn't look unplayable at wide receiver 16 at 6,300. So I'm going to tell you right now, and, and I agree with you, by the way, like uh, Hertz, Goddard, skinny stack. I like that. Um, I have no problem. But I'll tell you, on the other side, I am really underwhelmed with anything for Washington right now. This team appears as though they've given up. There's nothing exciting here. Terry McLaurin, it's sad because you know that McLaurin has that huge upside, but dude, he hasn't had a decent game since week 11. And that's his only decent game since like early November or, or late October. I just have a very difficult time getting to anyone here. And, you know, you could you could talk to me about Antonio Gibson. Sure. But I, first of all, the Eagles are going to do everything they can to just eat up clock. And we've seen this Washington defense is awful right now. It appears they've just thrown in the towel. I, I don't have any faith in him either. So 
on a, on a week where you have 14 games, I think it's important to not feel forced to have to find players from every team to, 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 to get to when you've got so many other spots to hit on. And, and this is one of them for me. Yeah, I kind of feel like an idiot because I just wrote up Terry McLaurin as a possible uh, breakout candidate this week. I know that the Philadelphia Eagles have actually been pretty strong against the pass. If you just isolate schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, they're eighth best in the NFL. And Darius Slay kind of kept Terry McLaurin relatively quiet the last two the last time these two teams met. McLaurin only had two receptions, but he had 52 yards on those receptions those two receptions so i think there is some big play ability here i just wish his salary were a little bit lower maybe the high 5ks instead of low sixes he's 6200 gibson looks really good in our projections right now but you know he is definitely definitely far from 100 percent i just saw a cbs notification for him that just said antonio gibson bothered by a hip now as in like we're we're annoyed at the fact that he's constantly coming up with these nagging injuries and you know he's not different than any other running back who gets a ton of touches at this point in the season they're all nicked up but if you just look at a pure projection his running his running back 19 salary does look like a value uh if he gets his normal workload i get it this team has just had such a dismal time putting points on the board lately you know they've had a real tough time scoring points even if it's taylor heineke so, all right, well, we'll see. I get what you're saying. And, and yeah, obviously I'm going against our projections here. Uh, but dude, if Gibson, and I get it, let, let's be very clear on a 14 game slate, there might not be any real mega chalk. So you can be, you know, you can use some discretion when it comes to talking about where these guys are in terms of ownership. But Antonio Gibson's getting like top five ownership at his position right now. That to me seems kind of crazy. Um, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just wrong. I think it comes down to what the, the natural build, the macro build of this week is looking like people want to get up to those wide receivers. And so they need the sub six K running backs. And we don't have a lot of free squares at this point in the week. It's possible for sure. It's also possible that you haven't checked out prize picks yet, which would be a, an egregious mistake because not only with prize picks, do you get $100 when you sign up using the promo code AWESEMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O, first snap match deposit bonus up to $100, but you now get a free month of AWESEMO plus Platinum, every single tool we have on the site, simply by using the link in the description. I just saw Jordan run back to his chair here to post the link into chat as well. I mean, seriously, it's a $90 value, AWESEMO plus Platinum, everything on the site, all of our tools created by the number one ranked DFS player out there, Awesome himself. And then, of course, managed by guys like uh, Alex and, and Steve Buzzard and Sean's on and, and Eddie. I mean, these guys, all they do is win money playing DFS. Uh, and you'll see with our Awesome Hall of Fame segment that we just, you know, they work. So not only are you playing at Prize Picks, which is a really nice daily prop based contest site. You can go to prizepicks.com, download it in the App Store, Google Play Store, wherever it is. It looks good. It has an insane menu of props across the board. There's no juice on either side. You just bet the over or the under on any of them. Even if it's like a touchdown prop, those are my favorite for rushing touchdown props where you can just bet over or under uh, half a touchdown. And you can use your knowledge of multiple sports. If you want to do cross-sport bets or cross-sport lineups, 
and you have five of them. It can be NBA. It can be NHL mixed in with the NFL, whatever you want to do. You can 10 extra entry fee. Uh, and unlike other traditional books, if you only hit four or five on a parlay, you win nothing here. If you hit four or five, you still double your entry fee. If you hit three or five, you still make money back. Much better way to, to sustain your bankroll and get a free month of Awesome o Plus Platinum and get that $100 bonus when you sign up using the promo code Awesome I said all I need to say. I mean, if you guys haven't done it yet, there's no reason that you should not have done it yet. Oh, and we have all of our free player prop projections over at Awesome We have Odd Shopper that is also totally free and is cutting edge. It's changing the way you can bet and the way you should research bets. So check it all out, prizepicks.com, and use the promo code AWESOMO. Use that link. Matt, what do you have for me? Okay, this one's pretty easy this week for me. Uh, I'm looking at David Montgomery. He's got an over-under in his rush yards of 67 and a half. We have him projected for 90 rush yards against the New York Giants. I know that's a low total game, and the Giants are actually slightly above average in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, but they lean heavily towards being a run funnel, meaning it's easier to run on them. That's exactly what David Montgomery and the Chicago Bears want to do, taking the over there. And I, w- I will want to say one other thing about prize picks. I think the the biggest, the best thing, other than how good it looks and how easy it is to use, is the fact that they don't juice the over or the under. I think that is the level of, abs- of an abstraction that makes betting difficult for the layperson who hasn't been involved in it for very long. And prize picks makes it so easy. Just look at the number, say higher or lower, move on. Absolutely. It makes a big, big difference. Um, Devin Singletary over 50 and a half rushing yards. I've been to Devin Singletary the past several weeks. I'll go back to him this week or the past two weeks. I'll go back to him this week. He's the guy now. And in a game where I think they just route Atlanta 14 and a half point dogs, I'll happily take the over on those rushing yards. So check it out at prizepicks.com. All right, Matt, let's keep this one going here. What's next? We got... Las Vegas and Indianapolis. Carson Wentz has a shot at playing this week, so we'll see. Now that they have the the new guidelines and or the new whatever it is in place, it's all just a mess around there. But Las Vegas six and a half point dogs. Darren Waller with the knee and the back injury had a shot to play. Now he lands on the COVID list. At this point, I mean, you just got to chalk up the rest of this season as a loss for Waller. But if I asked you where the Raiders rank or where the Raiders were in terms of the standings, what would you say? Uh, are they third? So, or you mean conference standings, conference yeah. standings? Oh, I think they're like ninth, right? Aren't they tied with all that big clump of people with like the Ravens and yeah. So they are eight and seven, they're eight and seven. They are, they're above 500. I don't, wow. I don't believe they're eliminated yet. Right. No, they definitely aren't. They're tied for that's they're they're tied with Miami, who's also eight and seven. There you go. So they actually have something to play for. Maybe they do try and get Waller out there if he clears the protocol in time. But uh, this team's been really tough to target from a DFS standpoint lately. Really ugly. Absolutely, and uh, Derek Carr has certainly cooled off as a passer. There was a time earlier this season he was leading the team. Excuse me, leading the league 
in passing yards. He's still up there. He's third in the NFL, 290.9 passing yards per game. But if you look at expected fantasy points, he's kind of middling. QB 14 is right in line with salary-based expectations, meaning he's playable, but he's not exciting. And he certainly doesn't have the ceiling that a lot of other players, both in his salary range and in higher salary range, have. So I'm kind of looking at Josh Jacobs, who continues to get heavy, heavy usage uh pretty disappointing on that heavy usage he's at minus two and a half fantasy points under expectation per game over the last six weeks but he's top 10 in usage so that's something i definitely want to target at some point it doesn't look fantastic against indianapolis on unless they start a backup quarterback it looks less likely now than it did when uh, carson wentz first tested positive uh but really i'm kind of only looking at hunter renfro who might be a target monster and the aforementioned Jacobs who might get 30 overall opportunities like he did last week. Where are you going with Jonathan Taylor this week? Very expensive, but he's been an outright stud and each and every week, despite his price point, he's got to be in the conversation. Yeah, he's an absolute monster. Obviously he, he hurts people when he doesn't have a huge game at his salary, nine K you need something like 27, 28 points to really feel like he hit big in a way that's going to hurt people in tournaments if they didn't play him. But that's certainly possible here. If you look at expected fantasy points, he's at 21 and a half per game. And then he's five and almost five and a half fantasy points over expected per game. This is over the last six weeks of play here. That's number one in the league. So you know what the big play potential is. He's the fastest player on the field. Once he breaks through the line, there's probably no one better in the NFL at this point. But, uh, I don't know if I'm prioritizing him over players like Cooper Cup this week at the very top end. Not to say he's a bad play by any stretch. I just think there's so many good running backs that it really makes it difficult to prioritize that. And as good as Taylor is, he could go out here and have 25. And if you don't have him, you're in good shape. That's the thing. So exactly. I mean, man, you need a huge game at this price point. And it isn't to say it can't happen. They are big. They are touchdown favorites, but, and it's not to say either that, that we don't like Jonathan Taylor, but I do think right. there are other ways to, to be different here. And th- there's a lot at the running back position again, that is going to open things up. So I like Taylor, but I'm not looking at him as an, an outright priority that you need to get to in all of your lineups. And I think the field's saying the same 19% ownership. That seems about right. The passing game though, I just really have had very little interest in getting here at all, unless it's a spot where they're, where they're dogs. I mean, like, yeah, Pittman was, was fine last week because that was a primetime game. You know, uh, T Y Hilton was solid because it was a primetime game. But once you get these guys on a, on a 14 game slate, I'm not really sure they have that slate breaking upside that you need on a team. That's going to want to run the football as six and a half point home favorite. I, I definitely agree. Uh, from a what's most likely to ha- what's most likely to happen standpoint, I don't think this Indianapolis passing game deserves a whole lot of attention on a giant main slate like this. Which is why I'm surprised to see Michael Pittman garnering 9.9% projected ownership right now. I mean, I get it. 12 targets in a game like he had last week is enough to be very valuable on a slate, considering his price at 5,800 on DraftKings. But I think we're we're a little overly bullish right now, in my opinion. Right now, we have him at wide receiver 12 
in our wide receiver projections. So, I mean, that's right at, that's basically right at his three X value almost within two points there of his three X value, which I don't think is the most likely outcome. It certainly could happen against a Las Vegas defense. That is nothing special. They're around 10th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receiver here, but it's a pace down spot and it doesn't look like a plus matchup, uh, especially compared to the other game environments we have on this slate. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. We got 260 watching for the Marathon Matchup Show. And subscribe to the channel. We're less than 300 away from 70K. Thanks to you, wonderful people. We're getting there sooner than later. We're going to be there for sure, for sure, before 2022. Got two days here. Got a day and a half to get 300. Yeah, we'll get there for sure. Going to make it happen. Um, Yeah, outside of that, I think we can move on to Atlanta and Buffalo. The Falcons, man, huge, huge dogs here. 14 and a half points in Buffalo, 44 point total. The Falcons, their implied total this week is sub 15. I mean, it's actually lower than I would have expected. It's 14.75, lower than every team not named the Jacksonville Jaguars. And again, I, I don't think on a 14 game slate, we need to force anything here. And maybe you do, Matt, maybe there's something you like, but against Buffalo, I'm wholly underwhelmed with pretty much everyone, including Kyle Pitts, who people might chase after last week, six for six and 102 against Detroit. But with a total this low, second lowest on the slate among 28 teams, you'd be real hard pressed to convince me that any of these guys are great tournament plays. No, I, I'm not even whelmed by anyone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, to be honest, you can play one-off players like Russell Gage or even Kyle Pitts. Uh, Cordell per- Patterson, I guess, uh, as one-off tournament options, but I'm certainly not stacking this team. Our projections are incredibly, incredibly bearish at uh, for Cordell Patterson. At running back six, especially considering... His targets have dwindled kind of completely here. Two targets last week, two targets the week before. You know, we were seeing games where he was getting seven, nine targets in a game. He hasn't had six targets since week nine. So if you're taking away his aerial usage, then he's basically the other Mike Davis, who's still, by the way, getting 8.6 expected fantasy points worth of usage. One thing I would like to see that I don't think is necessarily likely is Kyle Pitts breaking the rookie tight end receiving record in a 17-game stand instead of the 18 games, but he looks like he's probably going to be able to do it. I think he needs 128 yards. Uh, I don't have it right in front of me, but I think it's somewhere around that to break the rookie receiving record for tight ends. Uh, But from a DFS standpoint, probably a stay-away option. Russell Gage will probably be my most used one-off of the three. I mean, what an underwhelming record that, that what an it, it's not the record that's underwhelming but to, to breaking it in this fashion it just doesn't feel he's gonna have a thousand yards this year which is crazy but that was kind of the point that a lot of us made going into the year it's like hey Kyle Pitts can still have a really great year for a rookie tight end and still not be worth a late fourth round draft pick you know well, I mean? just to add one thing to that, uh, you know, he he was drafted around tight end four, tight end five in most leagues. Uh, he's been tight end five this year in fantasy points per game. The problem is the separation neck neck. from tight end five to like tight end 12 is negligible. 
Well, it's not only that, it is the specificity of this year. Mark Andrews was the guy he was competing with, and Mark Andrews absolutely smashed his ADP. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Mark Andrews has been dominant. Yeah. Um, yeah. God, man, I, I can't believe he's going to break the record. Or, but 18 games, to, or 17 games, you know, take that with it. There's, a, there's an asterisk there, unless he does it in one game. That's right. what I was saying. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see 128 this week. That'd be fun. I just don't think it's going to happen against yeah, Buffalo, who has strong defense. I do have some interest in Buffalo, though, because they're huge favorites. They like to throw the football. But I also will go back to, to Devin Singletary. Listen, even last week with Zach Moss being active, I would much prefer Zach Moss to be inactive again. That would be a lot more enticing. Devin Singletary was still the back that was getting the bulk of those red zone carries and had another goal line carry had two more carries inside the 10 yard line. This is different type of usage we're seeing from him that we haven't seen before. So that's very much worth keeping in mind. If Singletary is getting legitimately the bulk of red zone and the goal line carries, and he has 80% of red zone carries over the last two weeks, 83%. And that includes Josh Allen. This is a guy that I'm willing to look at at a low 4K price point, especially if they get up early and decide that maybe we are going to run the football more than we have been. And we've been seeing a little bit more of that lately. 100%. The big thing I noticed in that New England versus Buffalo game last week is that, especially that fourth quarter, it felt like the Bills kind of, you see some, some elite teams able to sort of turn on a, get to a second level and just say, we are we are stopping at nothing from beating this team. And that drive with that flip touchdown to Dawson Knox in the fourth quarter was, I think, one of the best drives of Josh Allen's career. And I think ultimately it might turn the corner for this offense, which has been kind of volatile this entire season. I still see the Bills as a massive, massive contender for the Super Bowl this season. And in this game where they're two touchdown favorites, I think they could absolutely smash Atlanta. I'm going to play some Josh Allen, but I really, really like the auxiliary weapons in general for this team. That includes Devin Singletary, who, as you mentioned, is getting used in all the important areas, getting those quality opportunities, those targets and goal line carries. And you've got your main auxiliary weapons in the receiving game coming back this week. You've likely got Emmanuel Sanders back in the lineup and Cole Beasley. So while I certainly like Stefan Diggs at wide receiver four in salary, I think I'm going to get a ton of stacks with Knox, with Beasley, with Sanders. I might mix in some Isaiah McKenzie, but ultimately those three passing game weapons are going to be used heavily in my lineups this week. As they should be. And the only difference I have here is I don't really know if I want to run it back. I guess if you are, it's Pitts or like Gage or something, but I don't know. Are you running back all of these lineups with someone from Atlanta? No, I'm not guaranteeing a run back, certainly not forcing it. At the same time, you know, I kind of gave my priorities there. Gage is probably the one I, I add. Certainly don't mind adding Pitts, but I don't need a ton of them. So Jacksonville is a 15 and a half point dog against New England. I'm not really sure that I even want to discuss that at this point. I, you have no James Robinson. If you want to talk about Dario Gumbawale, you can, but I don't think that's necessary. He's not minimum salary. They're going to get, they're going to get annihilated in this game. 
So at, at this point, the only question from the only question now, Matt, is like, are you are you trying to get to a pass catcher from the Jacksonville Jaguars? Are you going to Marvin Jones or the Quan Treadwell or LaVisca Chenault if he plays? It's such an ugly team. O'Shaughnessy, dude, this this team has the lowest implied total on the week, 13.25 implied team total. It's really ugly. I I'm like irrationally gutted for James Robinson because I don't know the guy, but you got Travis Etienne coming back to that team next year. He's an undrafted free agent. It just sucks to see him go out with that injury. And I guess I can look at the positives here. And we saw that Marvin Jones had his season high, 13 targets, including three in the red zone. Also a season high catching eight of them. Also a season high, but I don't need to get to him. 5,200, 4,400. Honestly, just the Robinson injury kind of took the winds out of my sail with this team. Why do I need to get here? This passing offense has been just decrepit. Uh, you got more uncertainty with the possibility of Chenault coming back and Treadwell continuing to get more usage. Sure, it's good to see Marvin Jones getting a 12-target, 13-target game and you know his early 30s still. like It's great that he can be a borderline wide receiver one, but... Why am I going to predict that against the New England defense who ranks best in the NFL in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed? I just don't think we need to get cute with a lot of these teams that have bottomed-out implied totals. Even Honestly, even on the other side, New England has a, a nice total here. It's 28.75, but who are you going to? Because Damian Harris had th- coming off a three-touchdown game. But you have Ramadre Stevenson, who is expected back. He's off the injury report. Uh, and then as far as the pass catchers go, Jacoby Myers is questionable. Nelson Aguilar um, was out last week. And then you have, what is it, Nikhil Harry, who, whatever. But he was limited. He, he should play. Still, is there anybody that you want to get to for New England to capitalize on the third highest implied total of the week? We certainly dislike Damian Harris compared to his salary-based expectations. I think it makes a lot of sense to play a New England running back when they're favored by this many points. It's a low total game, but I wonder if our projections are sort of leaning or suggesting that we don't try to guess what Bill Belichick does from a week-to-week standpoint with his running backs because we've seen so much volatility at that position week to week. So maybe I'll mix in some Ramondre Stevenson who is at 5,300 ahead in salary uh, projections of in salary based expectations. I will play the touchdown monster Hunter Henry somewhat at 3.2% projected ownership. And I got to say Nikhil Harry heading into uh, week 15 had 61 total routes run or excuse me, 66 total routes run. He's had 51 routes run over the last two weeks and has been targeted on 25% of them. So that's a massive change in usage. If he, if he plays, clearly he's becoming more of an option here. Maybe he's being showcased for other teams, but we are bullish on him somewhat. All right. Miami, Tennessee, the totals keep getting lower, Matt. And this is one 40 and a half point total. Miami Dolphins coming off a, an ugly game, an ugly win against the, the New Orleans Saints. I mean, there was nothing pretty about that game. It was difficult to watch. Um, Tua Tagovailoa, I have no interest there. I have no interest in trying to figure out this backfield. If anything, I would go to J, uh, J, Jalen Waddell. That's really the only spot here that, 
that I have any significant interest in. And his price has come up, but he is getting a ton of volume lately. He is the clear top option in Miami, and it's it's really not even close. Devontae Parker was not even targeted last game, while Waddle got targeted 12 times. That's that's it for me. Yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, Waddle actually looks like a better player than I thought he would coming out. And, you know, he's basically Jarvis Landry in this Miami offense all over again. Super, super low average depth of target, but he's getting like double digit targets every game. So, you know, especially in a full PPR platform like DraftKings, we'll take it. I think Mike Gusecki is fine. If people are going to make Waddle somewhat popular, then Mike Gusecki is a fine contrarian play, but... We, we have better tight end options this week. And as you said, Devontae Parker is essentially a uh, super volatile third option on a team that doesn't really like to pass at the level we would really like to see. Um, or certainly doesn't have the pace that we would like to see. Um, I, I was talking on the Live Before Lock show about this Miami team, and, and especially before that New Orleans game. And I said, they're not going to look super impressive, but they're going to win this game like 17 to 7. And both, you know, 100K winner Neil Orfield and uh, Eric Linquist were saying, I think the Saints have got a chance here. This might be an up-tempo game. I think Miami loves these rushing, heavy, defensive slog, low total games. I, I don't think Tennessee nor Miami want to play in a shootout. I just never could have imagined that, that Sean Payton would be that vanilla with the offense, though. I mean, that no. was bad. Just wasn't ready, that guy, uh, Ian Book. You almost felt bad for the guy. Like, he's a good play caller, usually. I, I thought you'd get a lot more Alvin Kamara. I thought they'd be be creative with it. Ian Book, man, that was worse than I had imagined. Tennessee. Um, A.J. Brown. This is what they needed. Remember, th- this team was really struggling to score points because, you know, you're running Dante Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard and Jeremy McNichols in your backfield. You have no Derrick Henry. Uh, you get Julio Jones back, who looks like a shell of himself. But the biggest difference here was A.J. Brown returns to action. Tough spot against San Francisco at home. And he was the reason they got that win. 16 targets, Matt. I, I will tell you right now, I know it's not the easiest matchup against Miami, but I still like A.J. Brown at this at his price point because the only the only thing that's shocking to me is that he's actually pulling as much ownership as he is. If you're going to beat Miami, you're going to have to pass on them. And it's not always easy to pass on them. And BFF's team defensive grades, they're top 10 in the league in, you know, in that metric. So I, I think they're pretty solid overall. But AJ Brown, imagine what this guy could do with 16 targets a game and 215 air yards. I get it. That's like Antonio Brown in his absolute prime with the Steelers level usage. But my Goodness, he looked incredible. 11 receptions, 145 yards, including 36 after the catch and a touchdown. I mean, this dude is awesome when he's healthy. And Ryan Tannehill rightfully got him incredibly involved. We have projections ahead of salary based expectations. What can I say? You can play him, but the ownership is very, very high 14.4% projected, on, uh, projected ownership. It's a little point chasey. It's not super, super point, Chasey. We still have him in the optimal lineup 10% of the time. Miami's defense is tough, but not unbeatable. And if you're throwing, you're throwing to A.J. Brown. That's the thing at this point. And who knows if if Julio plays? Who knows if it matters at this point? But uh, you could be without Julio and Westbrook Aquina. 
And then Chester Rogers is your wide receiver too, behind AJ Brown. Yeah, I, I think the volume is going to be there for Brown. If nothing else, the volume is going to be there, and we'll take that. I don't plan on, I don't intend on targeting the running game here, though, Matt. It's really AJ Brown or bust for me when it comes to Tennessee. Yeah, uh, and I'll stack him with Tannehill, and that's pretty much it. Las Vegas. Actually, I'm sorry, we got there already. I was going on a different game order. New York uh, Giants. God, I wish we were talking about Vegas again. The New York Giants, six-point dogs to the Chicago Bears, 37-and-a-half-point total in this game. This is why you guys stick around throughout the entire matchup strategy show because we get to talk about the New York Giants. I will spare you, though, the pain and suffering here and tell you right now, Matt, that if you're looking to get to the Giants, you are very simply just trying to get too cute. do you, there's nothing here. Kenny Galladay is getting peppered with targets with zero results. Kadarius Tony returns zero results. They, they, they start Jake from, I was at that game. It was amazing watching just the overall ineptitude of this guy. And then (laughs) they bring Mike Glennon in. Sure. He can see over, you know, a line full of nine footers, but it did nothing for him against the Eagles. The, The bears defense is, is respectable. And, at this point, man, why, what is, maybe you can, maybe you can, maybe you can say something to the contrary here, but what would be the reason to take a shot with Giants players right now? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I have no idea why 4, 4.4% of people are thinking that they're going to get something out of Saquon Barkley. The, the guy has not been correct no. since he had that injury against Dallas. I don't think he's had a wide excuse me, a running back one game since that ankle injury. I really don't think I want anything to do with him till next year. Same with Kadarius Tony. We saw some flashes, but on this offense, in this game, as you said, Chicago's respectable league average and PFF's team coverage grade and in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. They're not world beaters, but New York Gi- the New York Giants aren't beating anybody offensively. Evan Ingram did something last week. That's great. He caught four passes, <sighs> including a touchdown, 17 receiving yards, and we're celebrating it like it's a win because he had 11 fantasy points. Everything here is bad. I hate it. All right, we can move on. All right. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, Barkley's just you know, he is averaging three and a half yards per carry. And some of it's tough to blame on him. The passing game is completely anemic, too. They just they have nothing here. There's there's nothing. And imagine the thought. Yes, these guys are still huge downgrades from Daniel Jones. There's no reason to target this team this week. If I end up losing because someone wins a tournament with Kadarius Tony or Saquon Barkley, I'll just eat it. I'm okay with that. What about Chicago? Justin Fields questionable. Nick, Nick Foles with a valiant effort in the snowy Seattle last week. Pretty impressive coming out with that win. But David Montgomery, who I made some good calls last week. Montgomery was the one that, that I got wrong. I, I really, I didn't hate him. I just didn't anticipate another nine target game. Uh, and for them to be able to drop 25 points in Seattle. But uh, Seattle appears that they may have given up at this point as well. So uh, once again, David Montgomery, huge, huge workload through the air. He's pulling 26% projected ownership this week against the Giants. Yeah, that's a lot. I I mean, this is a huge slate. David Montgomery is a good running back. And yeah, you could see 25 plus total opportunities. But wow, 
wow, David Montgomery is getting a lot. And then you look at the boom bust tool. He's in the optimal lineup a third of the time in our latest simulations. I guess this is really all about game script here. A touchdown favor in a low total game. David Montgomery value, his value looks really, really solid, but I'm kind of surprised. I don't know if the ceiling is really that high, especially if Justin Fields plays. Maybe if Nick Foles plays, like low-key, if you have a situation where a a backup quarterback who's less mobile than the starter plays, then you could use a running back and boost up their receiving projection. I actually saw someone saying that in chat. If it's Foles, boost up the receiving yards prop for David Montgomery. I absolutely love that call. Same with Larry C saying 0.2% of Giants being the top stack. You got to go all in on them. That made me laugh. But yeah, David Montgomery really is the lone good spot here. If you want to play Cole Komet, he's at over 10 expected fantasy points per game. But even he is getting 8% projected ownership. I thought he'd be a super contrarian option. I don't want any part of Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson. Just give me Montgomery or bust here. Same. And it's been that way most of the season. If you're playing main slates, right? I don't know. It, it's been that way for the bulk of the year. And I feel like it should probably continue to be that way before we get to our 4 p.m. games. And we have five of them. Also, like I said, we got to timestamp this. At this point, it doesn't matter because if you're here, you're watching live. But I think it's probably time to hit on the Awesome Hall of Fame. And I got to pull it up because, of course, I, I, this is so dumb. The my whole internet or browser closed out and then I opened it up back up. It wouldn't allow me to restore it. Here we go. I got, it. okay, we're back. Hall of fame. What is it? I'll tell you awesome. Hall of fame, go to awesome.com slash avatar, download that avatar, whether it's, whether you're using it on DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo, doesn't matter. If you finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more and tweet us at awesome H O F. Include Matt and myself in that as well. We like to see this stuff. Win a free month of Awesome Plus Platinum. Get all that love on Twitter as well and get inducted into the Hall of Fame right here as you will forever be in the mem a member of the Awesome Hall of Fame. Neil Orfield, Matt mentioned him earlier. This guy just crushes the showdown slates. He'll be on some shows this week as well. Showdown to the rescue yet again. The Awesome single game tool was spot on tonight. 100K and 25K on back to back. I mean, that's just insane. And then our own Rin Pack as well. Catch him on the NBA Slate Starter. 67,000, chopping that first place. What else we got here? Uh, awesome. Thanks for all the great content. Nice. $150 win. First place there in the block. And then who is this? Kagler-Jer? Kagler-Jer? We'll go with Jerry. We'll go with Jerry Kagel. 175, third out of 28 or 24,000 almost. Congrats to you, Jerry. Fark. Another takedown in a field with five plus K. I told you, it doesn't need to be the Millie maker. It doesn't matter as long as it's 5,000 plus and you're not chopping with more than three people. And then Dave, gotta love the awesome parlay builder. This is true. And the pro picks from the awesome experts. I'm running out of words to say about them. Put the right picks together and bang like clockwork. Look at that, dude. That's a huge one. Four leg parlay, 100 in the 1750. Big stuff, boys. Congrats. Welcome to the Hall of Fame. And uh, get your name up here. Download that avatar. Tweet us at awesome HOF when you got something worthy. And we'll be sure to add you right here during the strategy show and any other show for that matter. All right, Matt, let's keep this moving. Arizona and Dallas. 
Highest total of the week, 4 p.m. game. Arizona is struggling lately. This isn't to say that they can't turn things around, but it has been a, a legitimate struggle for the Arizona Cardinals offensively, defensively. They don't look like the same team that was, what, 10-2 and two a few weeks ago? Yeah, crazy to see that they're 10-5 and five now. They're the five seed. They're second place in their own division at this point. Kyler Murray... Maybe he's hurt. Maybe he's just not making better decisions. But right now, he's still second in expected fantasy points, but minus 2.2 fantasy points under expectation per game. And that's representative of essentially the underperformance of the entire team. He's not unplayable, especially in this super, super high total game. But the Dallas defense, I mean, their defense might be more impressive than their offense at this point. In EPA per play, expected points added per play, Dallas is the best defense in the NFL. So this is not an easy matchup for a receiving core that's still kind of finding their way without DeAndre Hopkins. I know Zach Ertz is heavily, heavily involved at this point. You still could say Christian Kirk and A.J. Green are viable tournament options. Our projections currently like Kirk compared to his salary-based expectations better than Green. But I honestly think Zach Ertz is the safest of them. And at 5,200, he's the cheapest of them. So I think that's clearly where I'm going first if I'm going to anyone in the Arizona pass, uh, passing game. And then if we get a uh, James Conner inactive once again, he's already said that they're, uh, he's a game-time decision this week, then Chase Edmonds is looking really, really solid at 5,700. Otherwise, I probably don't want anything to do with them if they're both active. I love Zach Ertz this week. I, he's, he's become Kyler Murray's favorite target, especially with DeAndre Hopkins out. Uh, the results leave a little bit to be desired over the past couple of weeks, right? You know, when you got 24 targets over a two-week span, you would expect to be a little bit more productive. But if he's going to continue peppering him, go back to Zach Ertz. I think it's a very reasonable price point. They're probably going to need to throw the football. I really do like him here. And I will say, too, if, if you're looking just at a top stack tool that we have over at Awesome, and we have some free content today, too. Every day we rotate free uh, premium content in front of the paywall so you can see. NBA player rankings and NHL ownership rankings are totally free today if you want to get in on that. But with our top stack tool, Arizona is a slightly positive leverage score. They don't have the highest top stack probability, but I do think, you know, a Murray, Kirk, Ertz lineup or a Murray, Kirk, or a Murray, Green, Ertz lineup, it's not the craziest thing because eventually this team has got to right the ship. I don't know when it'll be. But it's a big total in this game. They're dogs on the road. They're going to need to throw. I'm happy to get there. And I prefer the skinny stack because Kyler Murray is rushing upside. But we've seen it earlier this year where just Arizona goes off and nobody wants to get there because they're not sure who it's going to be. All right, Agreed. Matt. Sorry, go ahead. Nope, just, just saying yes. I agree with you there. What are you doing on the Dallas side? Because the run game right now, I just have very little interest in getting there. Yeah, and if it were if it were a typical Cowboys backfield, at least the last few years, we would say that, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's kind of a lock, right? But in expected fantasy points and fantasy points versus expectation, Ezekiel Elliott just looks inefficient and just like far from the player that he once was on the field, at, at least this season. Uh, I'm fine going to Tony Pollard as like a tournament play at 5,900, but we definitely got better value plays at his position in that salary range. 
So it just brings us to the passing game in a plus spot, a pace up spot for sure. Both these teams are top three in our game adjusted pace of play. So we should have a ton of plays, especially since they're both, they lean towards a pass heavy offense, both of them. So I'm probably getting to CD Lamb most and Amari Cooper. Dalton Schultz, I think he popped up on the injury report, but right now we do have him in our projections. Another player I'm definitely going to be going for is 4,800 Michael Gallup at 5% ownership. Could easily see seven to seven to nine targets here as a third option. Pretty much him and Schultz have been going back and forth as the the third on the target totem pole, especially if Schultz is less than 100%, then I'm going to boost Gallup up in our projections. Favorite options from Dallas? If you know the I think ranking. Gallup, yeah, I think Gallup as the best value play and Lamb as the best tournament ceiling play. Okay. Denver and the LA Chargers. This is fun. So Denver's expected to start Drew Locke once again. They're six and a half point dogs against the Chargers team that just got humiliated humiliated by Rex Burkhead and the Houston Texans. I mean, there is just no excuse there. What's there really isn't. And, and I'll tell you what, let me, let me just say Brandon Staley gets a lot of love. I, I feel like sometimes people, and, and this isn't even me knocking him specifically, but people just completely buy into someone way early after that last week, I don't really know what to say. I know they've had some players on the COVID list, but so have a lot of teams. Okay. You coughed up 41 points to the Houston Texans because this run defense where they're in this spot, they just, they allow the run in order to stop the pass. Well, that only works if you are allowing the run, but not allowing 150 runs rushing yards to Rex Burkhead. There's a big difference between you know, not being great against the run because you don't want to give up big passing plays to getting gutted on the ground by guys that are have barely even been in the league at this point. So, um, yeah, Matt, just throwing that out there because I don't know how it's going to work for them. Maybe they try to make some adjustments, but you probably are going to get a heavy dose of Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon this week. I can't imagine after looking at what happened week 16, that that Fangio and company don't go into this game saying, you know what, we got to do everything we can to run the ball down their throats. A hundred, a hundred percent. And with Brandon Staley, you know, it's one thing to compliment him earlier in the year. The Chargers were competing for the best team in the NFL in that schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed metric I always refer to. Oh, excuse, yeah, sorry. The, what did I say? No, no, no. I, you're right. I, I said, and then they then they pulled a Chargers. They became the Chargers again. This oh. is what the Chargers do every year. Yes, exactly. Exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. Now, they're the fourth worst team in that same metric. And here's what's really interesting. As you said, they look like from a play-by-play standpoint, a run-funnel defense. They're 26th in the NFL in yards allowed per carry over the last three games and 29th over the overall season. But in, in fantasy points allowed, they're actually leaning towards giving up more fantasy points to the receiving game, meaning that their teams are using the rush to get there and are often having wide receivers hit as well. Wasn't it Conley who also had a big touchdown against them for the Texans last week? So, yes, Burkhead hits, but 
really any offensive weapon on Denver has a strong possibility against a Chargers defense that, in my opinion, is kind of reeling here. So even though they're favored, even though they might win this game, I think you could see a big game from one of these Denver Broncos weapons. So I'm going to go with the most talented players. In my opinion, that's Javante Williams, who... Yes, is splitting time with Melvin Gordon, but has enough in terms of opportunity to get there in a tournament situation. And Cortland Sutton, who has a much, much higher ceiling with Drew Locke at the helm, as mediocre as Locke is, than he did with Teddy Bridgewater uh, under center. You're just going to see more air yards and more targets for Sutton with Locke in there. I guess you could go to Noah Fant at 4,400 as well, or Tim Patrick at 4,400. They're kind of popping in some value models that I have, but... I really think that's just a matchup play. I, I don't have to prioritize prioritize them in tournaments by any means. Three likes away from 100. We will definitely get there. Thank you for all of you that have uh, hung out with us. We are actually making really good time today for a 14-game slate, I must say. We're doing doing quite well, Matt. It's a, it's a miracle. It's a it New is, Year's but, miracle. But again, there's it's not even at the expense of like, good content. There's some games that are just bad. When you have a 14 game slate, it makes it a lot easier to not have to talk about certain spots either, you know? So the Chargers are one that we at least have to discuss a little bit. Austin Eckler will make his return. Justin Jackson last week, man, what a game. He single-handedly powered me to the finals in two spots where I was down a ton of players, scooped them up. He was on the waiver in two leagues. And I mean, just an absolutely huge performance. But you get Eckler back in the mix, who has been less than 100%, even before that COVID absence. Uh, Mike Williams could be back. Keenan Allen coming off a rough game. What are you doing with the Chargers? I don't know how you can prioritize a player like Eckler at 8,200, coming off an injury where we've got such solid studs at the top of the slate, and the Broncos are no joke. Again, in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, top three in the NFL, uh, yeah, Eckler has been good enough when healthy, but when you're just comparing projections to salary-based expectation, he's kind of a meh play for me. In tournaments, you can absolutely go there. I mean, they're favored by nearly a touchdown at home. You can play Austin Eckler. But to me, I think the passing game has more upside here. I like Mike Williams at 6K. He's a solid value play. Keenan Allen at 7,500, a little pricey, a little pricey, but I still think you might see a big reversion, a big bounce back for the Chargers. Uh, you know, they're still a playoff team. As you said, last week was just kind of, you know, almost shell shocking. Jared Cook kind of gets there. To me, it's the stud options, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And then maybe if you want to get contrarian, play Eckler. Kind of an ugly game, though. If you told me that this had a 50 had 50 total points at the end, I wouldn't be incredibly surprised, but how does it get there? To me, it's two of these Chargers options hitting and then at least someone on the Denver side hitting as well. Right. So there are one, two, three, four games with totals or with spreads of 13 or more. Sorry, 12 and a half or more. The fifth one, or the last one that we'll talk about here is the Houston Texans on the road, 12 and a half point dogs. I guess last week didn't convince many people, right? 12 and a half point dogs against San Francisco, 44 point total here. You know, I got to tell you, it, it was impressive to see what they were able to do. And Houston's actually had a couple impressive wins this year. They beat Tennessee. They just went and beat 
the Chargers who are fighting for a playoff spot as well. And they did so without Brandon Cooks. And Davis Mills, credit the guy. He looks a lot better throughout the uh, as the season progresses than he had early in the year where he looked like, you know, the worst rookie quarterback to ever play. Now that is Ian Book. But Brandon Cooks is back. And I don't know what to make of Rex Burkhead here. But I, look, round of applause. You guys performed well. But it's still not a fun spot. 12 and a half point dogs. Very low implied total this week. 15.75. That's tied with the Giants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're still a bottom 10 defense playing Kyle Shanahan, who notoriously roasts really, really bad defenses in the NFL. As you said, Davis Mills has been not terrible. Uh, probably belongs in this league for a long time. If not a starter, then a high-quality backup. You're talking about a player who's had a ton of usage as a rookie and is 28th in the NFL in adjusted yards per attempt, 27th in yards per attempt, 27th in passing TDs. Yeah, he's 30th in fantasy points per game, but in my opinion, like you said, he kind of plays well enough that he belongs. 9.4 yards per attempt and 254 passing yards on 27 attempts last week against the Chargers. So it could happen for Houston, especially with Brandon Cooks coming back, but I'm probably not going there. 0.1% projected ownership means most people aren't as well. Yeah, I guess that means he's a positive leverage play, a 0.5% chance of being in the optimal lineup. But uh, as Larry C. said on chat earlier, whenever we see 0.5% of something, we got to go all in, obviously. Brandon Cooks is probably my favorite play here, but I would have liked to see his salary below 6K, not getting to Nico Collins or Chris Conley, really. And if you want to go back to Rex Burkhead, you know, he's at running back 40. He's 5K. He doesn't need a lot. He needs like 15, 16 points. Sure, sure, go ahead. But San Francisco's defense is has been pretty solid this year, better than average. Do you think Eli Mitchell plays? That's the one where I was kind of digging into this because if he does, I think he's such a good tournament option. Such a good tournament option. Shanahan has gone back to him every time he's returned from an injury, gone back to him in a full-out bell cow role. 100%. 100%. And, you know, I look at uh, usually a six-week sample, and obviously Mitchell hasn't played a lot in that six-week sample, so only two games played. But 23 expected fantasy points per game in that two-game sample. Sample. If you extend that to the entire season, which I think is fair for a player like Mitchell, you get to about 14 and a half, which is still better than his salary-based expectations. So I'm all in on this player. Right now we have him top 10 among running backs, 6.3% projected ownership, a way higher chance of being in the optimal lineup. Sure, play Trey Lance in cash games. That that makes total sense to me. But Eli Mitchell might be my favorite turning back, excuse me, tournament running back of the week. What about Debo Samuel and, and in the event that we have no if, if we don't have a Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think Garoppolo plays for what it's worth. I don't think I don't think we're going to get Garoppolo this week. Maybe we will. He didn't practice yesterday. He's dealing with that thumb injury. We'll see what happens today. We're recording this on. Well, we're not recording it. It's a live stream on Thursday. So by, you know, maybe we'll have information later in the day. If he doesn't play, what do you do with a forty eight hundred dollar Trey Lance? How do you approach a, a Debo and a, and a George Kittle? Far from unplayable, far, far, far from unstackable, right? But the probability does go way down. I think this is a great spot for Trey Lance. He's an obvious value play, especially if you're talking about cash games. Just get him in there and use it to get to those stud players you need at the top of the salary pool. 
Debo Samuel and George Kittle were a little bit bearish on them compared to their respective salaries. I mean, you got to pay up for Debo Samuel on a week where there's some really, really good players. 8,700 is wide receiver too. I'm not going to tell you you can't play them. And one thing we do like to see is that both players are garnering almost no ownership, under 3% for both players. But, you know, I think it's I think it's lower probability than we would we would normally have. One thing I will say is that I probably boost Debo up a little bit more. You're going to use him in the running game just like you would with Jimmy Garoppolo. And personally, I think there's no chance he plays. I think I think <laughs> Kyle Shanahan's being a little offensive with how injured Garoppolo is, like making us think that he might actually play. It certainly feels that way. I'm I'm with you. I don't really think you're going to get him in this game either, but We'll see. Maybe he does. Trey Lance is interesting, though. He's just really cheap. He has rushing upside. They're still huge favorites. I mean, if there's ever a spot where you wanted to get to him, this would be the one. So I like him as a skinny stack option. I really have no interest in stacking him with multiple players because it's such an expensive stack to begin with. And then the runback option is heinous to begin with. So all of that to me makes this a, uh, an ideal skinny stack spot. But I, I'm good elsewhere. And if Eli Mitchell plays, I'm with you. This is just a very, this is a guy who every time he has returned has been reinserted back into the lineup as the, the belt clear bell cow back. And you can't say that about most players in the backfield under Kyle Shanahan. So clearly he likes this guy. All right. Detroit, Seattle. Here's a fun one. There's seven point dogs against Seattle, 42 and a half point total. At this rate, I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle comes in and wins this one, or if, if Detroit comes in and wins this game either. But DeAndre Swift is off of the injury report for the first time since Thanksgiving. So full practice. The issue here, though, is that Jared Goff is now day-to-day with a knee injury. He was on the COVID list prior to that, missed last week's game. But, uh, yeah, the big news, DeAndre Swift making his return after a full month uh, hiatus, Matt. He's the best player on that team. I know if TJ Hawkinson is fully healthy, maybe he's competing with Swift. But I think Swift is a great play simply because of the talent. And he's running back 15 in salary at 6K. I know other people are seeing it that way. There's a 14.6% projected ownership. We basically have his chances of being in the optimal lineup at the exact same as his projected ownership. So we're seeing that as extremely rational. Expected fantasy points, I, I kind of throw that out the window in a six-game sample for a player like Swift. It's the big thing, which is targets. Even if there is a backup quarterback, I wonder if you see eight, nine, ten dump-down passes, especially if this game gets into a garbage time situation. Uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown, nothing but impressive, especially on the team that he's been on. You know, I, I really didn't think it was going to work in year one for him or with Tim Boyle at the helm, and he proved me wrong. So hats off to him. We have his salary and projection basically right in line. I'm trying to save you, Tulsa Dog, because I, I know I've made you drink a lot already today. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I do think that he is playable in this game, even though the total is low. From a bias standpoint, I, I kind of feel like I'm out on this Seattle offense, and them hitting is the only real reason I'm playing this Detroit offense other than Swift. But I know the variance of football, especially passing attacks, is high enough that I know Seattle can hit. There are some slight weather concerns, too. So I'm just having trouble getting to this as a game stack, to be honest, in this huge slate. 
I am as well. And even with Seattle, I got to tell you, I'm not, I'm not enamored with anything here. Ben mentioned it on Tuesday's show that DK Metcalf had that big 40 plus yard touchdown that we were all been looking for 41 yard score. And he finished with 41 yards. And it, it's ugly right now. Detroit's still not a good defense, but they have made some strides in the right direction. Uh, the, I, if, if I'm going anywhere here, it's going to be Rashad Penny. And I don't like that he has very little involvement in the passing game. But if I get another 17, maybe 20 carries as a seven-point home favorite, I think Penny's a totally reasonable option here. But I, I'm just not excited about the passing game for for Seattle. And, and yeah, people keep trying to go back to it. They keep trying to get that big Wilson stack game, that big Seattle passing game stack. And it just hasn't happened yet. Uh, th the last time we saw that was was before Wilson got injured. So at this point, you're just chasing something that might not be happening for the rest of the year. I, I agree. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to zoom out a little bit. And I don't know if you remember this Laffy, but in our rankings talk way, way back in June for the, you know, it was basically our, our own little awesome ranking summit. Yeah. We were kind of going back and forth with our, uh, with our CFO, Steve buzzard about, the importance of weighing schedule or end of season schedule as you're going into the season. And just thinking about the Seattle Detroit game, this was a game we were talking about in order to boost Seattle pass catchers. We want to be targeting the Detroit defense based on all we knew heading into the 2021 season. So, so to say that we're super off this passing game when they're all healthy and we're going to Rashad Penny. It's a little bit jarring. If you had told me that going into August, not to say I disagree with you by any means. I think these uh, pass catchers are low probability plays at their salaries. And Rashad Penny is a pretty solid probability play at his respectable 6,100 salary. That's not too high. He's in the optimal lineup nearly 8% of the time with a 6% projected ownership. His expected fantasy points is just outside the top 15 running backs, but his efficiency is really where he shined, look, looking like the best he's ever looked in his career. He's at nearly five fantasy points per game over expected in his last six weeks of play. It's a tough spot to get to, man. It's not exciting. Neither is the final game, Carolina and New Orleans. This is, I mean, you want to talk about a really ugly spot. The Carolina Panthers are still big dogs. Now, I'm assuming, Matt, that we have Taysom Hill uh, back starting this week. That, that, that would be my assumption. So if he's starting, that's still a lot better than Ian Book. But it, it goes to show you uh, just how far the Carolina Panthers have fallen. They started off as th at 3-0 and this year, and everything looked great. And now they have just completely unraveled, fired their offensive coordinator, and their six-and-a-half-point dogs going back to Sam Darnold as a starter in the dome against the saints. I mean, at this rate, there's DJ Moore. I think you could always make some argument for just because he's good and his price continues to fall. Uh, and he's going to get peppered with targets. Look, he does still have double digit targets in four straight games. That's encouraging. Sam Darnold loves targeting him. But aside from that, I don't want to target Robbie Anderson. I have want nothing to do with this run game. This is very simply maybe throwing some darts at DJ Moore and hoping that that double-digit target volume eventually pays off for him.
Exactly. Exactly. DJ Moore has the usage to be fantasy viable week in and week out. His quarterback play has been nothing but atrocious, essentially for years at this point. And the fact that Sam Darnold coming in doesn't really change my opinion on how efficient he's going to be with solid usage compared to what he had with Cam Newton. It really doesn't change much at all. Uh, I guess it's a net positive for Moore and Anderson. If you look at it, if you, you try to compare it side by side, but on a huge slate, that net positive is negligible. It doesn't really change how I feel about them going forward. Amir Abdullah, I guess, is the one that's kind of interesting because he's had more target opportunities, but I think it just ultimately means with Sam Darnold, who randomly has had a ton of goal line rushing usage when he's been the starter this season, it makes it even worse for these uh, this running back by committee in Carolina. And New Orleans has actually been a solid defense once again. They're tougher to rush on than pass on, but I just have no faith in Darnold getting certainly not both of Anderson and more to hit. If you want to take one-off shots on either player, I get it. You're not paying more than 5,600 for either player, but I said on sports map radio with Aton Shander yesterday that I kind of think that this six and a half point spread for the Panthers is being generous to them. I think new Orleans with Hill trounces them at home. Should we take some shots at uh, Alvin Kamara then coming off two really bad weeks where the Saints have scored a combined 12 points. Amazingly, one of those games was a win. You hit it. You hit it. I'm going to go back to Kamara. I know that his projection compared to salary-based ex- expectation, final drink, is going is not looking fantastic this week. But at 7,900, he's that player that has the same ceiling potential as players who are at the 85, 8,700 range on DraftKings and salary. And... He can help me get to other players as well when I use salary savings there. We're seeing him in the optimal lineup 4% of the time right now, and that means his leverage score is very, very low. Negative 6% is quite low amongst running backs. But I think the game script is going to be perfect here for Kamara. So this is going against our tools a little bit. But I think Carolina, as a defense, does not scare me at all. They are a run funnel, meaning that they are easier to run against. And I think Kamara could get 25 total opportunities in this game where they should be ahead the entire time. I'm going to be going to some hill, but Kamara is is a pretty strong option for me this week. And look, people talked about this against the Jets. Uh, I was vehemently opposed to it, that Taysom Hill was going to crush Alvin Kamara's upside. That was not the case in a, in, a, in a favorable matchup. They have no other pass catchers. If you're smart, you lean on the ground, you lean on Kamara, you lean on Hill as a rusher. Kamara had 32 looks in that game, 27 carries and five targets. Uh, that was his biggest game of the season outside of, well, two earlier games uh, from weeks five and seven. But uh, th- that was his biggest game what, since the midway point of the season. And he was out for a while. I think Alvin Kamara is in a really good spot this week. What is his ownership coming in at? Is he getting a lot? Yeah, it's a little high. 10.1%. crazy, though. Yeah, RB11. And I think a lot of people, to be honest, are going to overweight the fact that in week two, he had a really down game. Only eight carries, six targets, 30 total yards. His worst output of the season, seven fantasy points. So I'm, I'm bucking that and saying that he could have a huge game against the Panthers this week. Mark Smith, I said the same thing. I agree with you. It really made me question the play calling of Peyton last week, uh, especially given that that game was 
they were still they had a game still in reach mm -hmm. through three quarters and still managed to to come up empty on every single drive it was it was really really strange but anyway yeah i like Kamara. i'm uninterested in the passing game here i just once again i don't see the ceiling uh for any of these guys in in large field or even smaller tournaments to get you where you need to go right i mean the salary is low enough on these wide receivers where you're talking about at 14 fantasy points they've hit 3x value so if you told me that they were in an optimal lineup because they were 4600 4500 for traquan smith like i I would believe you. Nick Vanette, who's gotten more usage uh, over the last, well, when Hill is in the game, I should say, you know, he's 2,500. Uh, same with Adam Troutman. Honestly, the only other option I think I'm really leaning on other than Kamara is Mark Ingram in large field and the Saints defense. All right. Hey, shout out to uh, Jordan Klein for producing today's show. Always appreciate him. And if you want to get 25% off your first week of Awesome My Plus Platinum, use the promo code NFL Strategy Show, all caps, all one word. Every tool on the site, ownership, top stacks, player projections, lineup builder, boom bust tool. You can get the Fantasy Cruncher add-on, uh, whatever it is. And if you want to do Express Pass for $3.95 a week, my suggestion for NFL, wait till the playoffs are starting because all of our showdown content, all of our showdown tools is included in that. And you're going to have a ton of tools, a ton of games to exploit for less than $4 a week. But if you want everything, every sport, NFL strategy show, all one word, all caps, 25% off your first week. Follow Matt at uh, Draftaholic, me at Lafayette underscore D. Thanks for hanging out as always. We'll catch you back here tomorrow on the contrary. And then of course, Sunday, you know, full four and a half hour stream all the way up to kickoff at 1 p.m. for week 17. Peace. See ya. Only one more main sleep. That's crazy. <laughs>